Well, just a month or so ago, it was doom and gloom. Well, for a lot of people, but uh, certainly for dairy farmers. If you recall, we talked with Krista Stoffer, small family dairy farmer out in northeast Washington. They were looking at possibly losing their whole farm with the way prices were looking and futures were looking, the COVID pandemic putting immense downward pressure on their markets. Finally, when, you know, after years of terrible prices, dairy farmers had been feeling positive. They had been investing in their operations because prices had come back up late last year, um, not to any soaring highs, but to a point where farmers could, you know, a little bit more than break even. It's amazing what uh, those of us in the farming world get excited about. Hey, we're over break even. Wow, this is awesome. But then covid happened and a lot of people thought oh no this could be this could be another 2008 2009 slump or even worse some of the numbers that they were looking at were terrible far below break even losing a lot of money kind of prices a lot of money going out of business kind of prices that's all turned around again in this bizarre world that we're in now in the coronavirus pandemic joining me right now is Skagit Valley dairy farmer Dwayne Faber, welcome to the program. And Dwayne, what is going on? It was good, and then it was terrible, and now what is it? What what word would you have for where, where things sit? At least reading the tea leaves right now. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Dylan. Uh, good to, good to chat with you again here. So it, yeah, it was an unprecedented market. We've never seen anything quite like this in a matter of. Uh, Probably a month and a half, we went from an $18 milk price down to an $11 milk price. And in that same time period, we've rebounded completely back up to that $17, $18 threshold again. And some of that was the government making a commitment to step in and buying dairy products to help support food banks for those that are struggling through this time period of mass unemployment and that rely on food banks for, for groceries and to feed their families. And so the government stepped in and, and opened up the coffers and went out and started buying a lot of uh, cheese and butter and, uh, and fluid milk. And, and for most food banks, actually, the number one requested food item is fluid milk. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's a very reasonable reasonable calories and and it's uh, required or asked for by a lot of food banks and so it was kind of neat that, uh, that that we were able to help some help support those that are struggling through this this difficult time so let's roll back the clock to january before all of this started to get crazy what was the situation you're, you're talking 17 18 milk that's something where people can actually you know start paying back some of the costs that they've maybe been behind on over the last how many years of low prices? Yeah, absolutely. So 2014 was a record year for the dairy industry. And since then, it's been a lot of pain and suffering and, and really going backwards and losing money for the last, you know, five years or so. And so finally, things were looking better. The, the clouds were parting, the sun was going to shine, and 2020 was going to be the year where <laughs> Things turned around, right? And we, we had been used to fourteen dollars, fifteen dollars per hundred pounds of milk, and twenty twenty was promising eighteen, seventeen dollar milk, which is uh, is a profitable price for many producers. And and so uh, dairy farmers were optimistic to see those prices coming, and then and coronavirus hit, 
and it uh, yeah, thirty percent of fluid or milk sales goes into the restaurant industry and into the food service industry. And overnight, those markets disappeared. We had restaurants shutting down, and and a lot of the supply chain was geared up to feed into the restaurant industry. And so that's forty pound blocks of cheese, which hmm. overnight you can't just turn those into household uh, squares that uh, can fit in the fridge and, and be used and, and sold in the grocery store. And so it was a huge shock to the system, and, and there was no place for that milk to go. And unfortunately, we saw dairy farms had to dump their milk uh, and, and get rid of their milk and because there, there literally was no home for it. Uh, we, we could not uh, process it, or the warehouses were starting to fill up and no place to go with it. So. Did you hear about any of that happening out here in, in Washington State? You know, we saw milk being dumped in Georgia and Pennsylvania and New York and even some in Wisconsin, other dairy you know, producing regions. I've not heard. I've heard about just a very small incident once or, or twice. Uh, any, any significant impacts from the dumping and the, the fallout at that time that you've heard of? There, there wasn't. So most of the milk here in the Pacific Northwest uh, goes into our local co-op, Dairy Gold. And of that, roughly 50% of it gets exported, but the other 50%, uh, much of it is consumed here in the Pacific Northwest. And so we were able to, to sidestep that. Uh, management did a great job of making sure that those avenues stayed open for that milk. And uh, Dairy Gold actually committed to donating, I believe, 130,000 gallons of, of milk to local food banks to assist those uh, food banks. And, and so uh, they've done a yeoman's job of, of moving milk products, and, and we're thankful for that, that we did not have to, to dump any milk. Dwayne Faber, Skagit County Dairy Farmer with us on the Farming Show here on KGMI News Talk 790. By the way, I'm Dylan Honkoop. I don't know if I mentioned that. Thanks for being with us on this Saturday morning. Uh, so, you know, it was doom and gloom there. I mean, people were talking about going out of business. This was already with the backdrop of kind of a shakeup, right, in the, the local and regional dairy world with some changes in rules with the co-op and, you know, farms here in western Washington were, uh, again, this was even before the slump, saying maybe this may be the time for us to get out. Um, you know, what did the, the slowdown in the market do to all of that um, kind of rearrangement of the landscape here in, in the local dairy world? Yeah, so they, the dairy co-op has allowed base or quota or the right to ship to dairy gold uh, to transfer. So it can now be bought and sold like a commodity, and it can be sold to Idaho or to eastern Washington. And, and that seems to be the shift. That seems to be where the cows are going. And, and so that has been happening. We're seeing that. There are local farms that are selling out and, and um, selling their right to ship to producers on the east side of the state and even in Idaho. And, yeah, it's unfortunate to see that. You know, we don't want to see uh, local dairies exiting the industry. And yet it's also just a function of the business that we're in. And, and it's sad to see, but it's it's also capitalism. And, and we see farmers making the best decisions for themselves and their families. And sometimes that decision is to to move on and, and sell the dairy and do something different. So that was starting to happen. Uh, dairy Gold's also, we're, we're looking to uh, raise money to, to build a new uh, processing plant. Uh, they're still unsure on where that processing plant will be. Uh, but they're they're taking uh, yeah a, 
part of the producer's paycheck to to save up money to invest in the co-op and and that's part of a healthy co-op too is 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 investing back into facilities that will make money and that are profitable for the co-op so certainly big changes on the dare gold front well and and like you said when that base that quota suddenly became something that could be traded and sold like a commodity it suddenly had a lot of value there for a time and so it was it was uh feasible for some of these dairies to be able to say you know uh long term we're going to get out so now is the time we can we have something of value that we can sell uh our our quota then when when the prices crashed what happened to to i guess the kind of there's no official market for it, but the a word around town on the prices for that quota. I I was worried at that point. You know, some people had maybe, you know, sold some quota and and they did all right. The people who bought it maybe ended up in a terrible spot because suddenly their milk wasn't worth very much, and and that quota that they paid potentially quite a bit of money for wasn't worth near as much almost instantly. Um, that was a, a dicey situation. Has that market come back now or is that lagging or what's the word on the street? Yeah. So I, I haven't heard of any sales recently of quota that, uh, would indicate a price. Uh, there was some about a month ago and it seems like that price has held up. Um, it would make sense where it would drop. I mean, it, it the value of that is going to ebb and flow based on the economics of the dairy industry. As the dairy industry becomes more profitable, uh, there's producers that have more funds available that would like to expand and, and would like to go out and buy that quota and increase the size of their operation. And so that market will ebb and flow with the profitability. And so we're not going to experience $11, $12 milk for eight months, which certainly looked like a possibility there for some time. And so where the price of quota goes from here, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I don't foresee it completely falling apart just because there are a fair number of producers that are still uh, under, under quota yeah, or they, uh, they need more quota or need to go out and buy more quota. So I, I, I do think that value will uh, stay somewhat elevated. So time will tell on where that goes. Skagit County Dairyman Dwayne Faber with us on the Farming Show here on KGMI this morning. Um, with, uh, well, I guess even before we get back into you know prices coming back up and really how that's all working, what is we keep talking about you know below break even, above break even? What is that number really? Obviously, it varies widely from operation to operation, right? Yeah, so I think for most producers, it's anywhere from sixteen dollars to. Sixteen fifty. Uh, it's going to vary depending on how long a producer's been in business, uh, how how much uh, debt they're carrying. Mm. Um, yeah, there's several different factors on that, but uh, yeah, it, it's probably yeah high fifteens to 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 low sixteens is probably a break even price, and and in that price too is uh, you know a farmer's wages typically where they're living off of that, so that's also counted in there. So if we're talking eleven dollar milk, ouch, that would have been. Yes, that would get. Mm -hmm. There there is no wage for the farmer then. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's right. No, that at that point, yeah, you're uh, you're releveraging everything and borrowing, you know, everything you can to to stay afloat and stay in business. And and and, I mean, this downturn too has also shown us the need to have uh, insurance. I mean, there's certain insurance programs and and utilizing the futures market to to hedge yourself appropriately. 
I think this has really shone a light on, hey, we need to be proactive in managing our risk and, and mitigating that risk because uh, it, yeah, you never know what comes about. One pandemic and, and you have a, a collapse of 6 $7 in your milk price. And yeah, it can, it can put a farm out of business. And so we need to be more diligent about managing that risk and seek, looking for ways to, uh, to hedge ourselves appropriately. So where are we at now? You, you talked about things coming back up even to the, you know, you're talking 17s and 18s. Um, you said part of that is, you know, the government buying up uh, milk products to donate to food banks. Explain more in detail how that's all working and, and what the outlook even is beyond that. Because that's, in, in my mind, that's only a short-term fix. It is, right? And so they've committed to buying up until June. And so there is talk that that may continue. And that's what makes makes trying to predict this market so difficult because, it, I mean, the government can step in and turn this thing on its head, right? I mean, we were at $11 and, and essentially they drove it back up to 17 or 18 with their buying. And so we don't know where that's at. I think some of that's going to be a function of, you know, what is the general economy going to be like? Are, are we still going to have massive unemployment or, or, I mean, is this a V-shaped recovery on the general economy? Do things start turning around and, and people get back to work and there's less of a strain and a need on food banks? And so if that's the case, then, then I could see the government stepping back and saying, well, we've done our part and, and we're going to back away. But if this thing continues to, to spiral down or, or stays down for some time, I could see the government continuing to step in and continuing to buy. Uh, and so making predictions, it, it's incredibly difficult because we just don't know. There's so many broader, uh, higher level economic issues that uh, yeah. will weigh into it that we just can't predict. But the dairy market historically, I mean, the issue leading up to this time, when we talk about prices being low last year and, and the years before that, had a lot to do with oversupply. And one of the big reasons, at least the way I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the price finally started to come back up is that that started to finally turn around, that that oversupply wasn't as bad as it had been. And then and even even if I recall in, in January and February, we were seeing uh, production coming up even more than it had been for the months prior, which I'm thinking, oh boy, that's going to put a cap on these these rising prices. Um, do we know what production has done then since with this whole COVID hiccup? Yeah, that, that's an astute assessment because that's exactly what was happening. The, the dairy industry is incredibly quick to respond anytime that milk uh, prices come up. And so anytime we have that $17, $18 milk, there, there's certainly, uh, it's certainly easy for farmers to open up the spigots and, and flood the milk, uh, market with milk again. And it, it, in a lot of ways, it certainly seems like the, the top is going to be $17, $18, and it, it is probably not going to get much better than that just because of our ability uh, to, to expand so quickly. Uh, one thing that the dairy industry has done is we've had uh, – We've utilized sex semen, so the cows that we breed, we can pick the gender of the calf. And so a lot of farms now have a lot of heifer calves because as farmers, we, we love our animals and we want to see more of them. We want to see more heifer calves and more heifers. And so that heifer program grows and grows. And, and then anytime there is a, a profitable time, it's easy for us to, to milk more cows because we have so many uh, heifers coming in to, to fill the barns and to, to replace any any that uh, head out the door. So well, the problem yeah, though the problem though historically was the axiom of when, when prices are up you put on more cows and when prices are down you put on more cows. 
have we finally gotten past that when prices are down that farms aren't using that as a way to to manage through low times right i i think it, it yeah, absolutely it was a function though of it was too low for too long i mean low low milk prices cure low milk prices we saw yeah. Uh, just farms exiting the industry, and it's terribly sad, but uh, like even Wisconsin with all their dairy farms, there was a time period where they were averaging one dairy farm a day was going out of business just because uh, that four years, five years of low milk prices were just having that impact, that economic impact where farms just couldn't survive, and guys had to make that decision to exit the industry. And it's unfortunate. We hate to see that, right? And yet it's an economic reality that uh, when things are bad and your cost of production is too high, uh, farms are going to exit and, and get out. And uh, so it drug on for too long. And that also speaks to, I, I don't think the farm balance sheet across the U.S. can absorb much of a downturn just because it's been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we really haven't had uh, you know much of a time to recover, to build equity up and to recapitalize those balance sheets. And um, I, I don't see it going to $12 just because the, the bloodbath would be short and quick. I mean, yeah. the, the, the worst scenario probably is that we have $15 for another 18 months, right? Because it just uh, it's right below the cost of, of production or break even, and, and we just continue a, continue a slow bleed. It mm. seems like when we have a more volatile market and it crashes, that more cows exit the industry and farmers exit the industry, and it, we have a quicker recovery. Dwayne Faber, a Skagit County dairyman, uh, just 10 seconds left. What's this been like for you on your farm down there in Skagit, this COVID situation? Uh, you guys been managing okay? We have been. Employees have been safe. We don't know of anybody in our in our workforce that has contacted it. We're doing the best we can with PPP and letting people know about how, uh, how to stay safe, trying to social distance on the farm and keep all our employees safe so that uh, everybody gets through this safe and sound. All right. Take care out there, Dwayne Faber. Again, uh, Dairy's down in Skagit County. Thanks for being with us here this morning on The Farming Show. You bet. Thanks, Dylan.